Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome to week one of a sermon series we are calling XO, Love, Sex, and Marriage. If you're excited to be in the house of God, why don't you give him some more praise real quick. Put your hands together. Yeah, so excited to be in church. Hey, well, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is JJ, and alongside my wife Liz and I, we have the honor of serving as pastors in this community. And uh, hey, it is February. We have a ton of first-time guests, people visiting for the very first time. And so I know we've done this before, but Journey Church, would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests one more time? Come on. Yeah, we're glad you're here. If you are looking for a church to call home, look no further. Welcome home. We're so glad. You're here. Hey, before we get into the message, I want to let you know something that's happening really special today. At 1245, you heard Jenny talk about it already, but it's next steps, step one. And if, uh, listen, coming to church is great and singing songs and meeting people, but I believe that there comes a season in everyone's life where you want to take that next step, where you want to go deeper in your relationship with God. You want to get connected into the life of your church. And, And we made it real simple for you. We made that next step, next steps. We called it that help you get there in your journey. And so we've got free lunch, we've got free childcare. Listen, just take advantage of the free childcare, okay? Even if you don't come to Next Steps, so drop your kid off, well, we got you, okay? Do what you gotta do, come back, it'll be good. Um, but no, I am pumped for this sermon series. I said it at the 915, uh, we got a 915 worship experience now. Um, I can't remember the last time I was so excited uh, to share a word with the church. Now I'm excited every day to come to church, every Sunday, but I really do feel like today is gonna help Uh, somebody, because we are talking about relationships. That's right, relationships. And I want to set some expectations for this sermon series. We're going to be here for four weeks, and we're not just talking to married people. Okay, I know you see a lot of people with the gowns on in the video. We're not just talking to married people. Uh, We're talking to anybody who is in a relationship, going to be in a relationship at some time, married, single, engaged, whatever season of life you find yourself in, I really think this is going uh, to help you. If you're a teenager, I encourage you to come. If you're a parent, bring your teenager. Uh, We're going to do a lot of learning and a lot of unlearning, okay? Because how many people know sometimes we need to unlearn about as much as we learn when it comes to relationships. And so to do that, we've got some resources for you. Uh, One of them is this book set here. Uh, We call it The Bundle of Love. That's right. The Bundle of Love. And it's got four books, From This Day Forward by Craig and Amy Groeschel, Swipe Right by Levi Lusco, The Five Languages by Gary Chapman, and His Needs and Her Needs by Harley. And all these books are great. We picked them out. I picked them out specifically. Um, I think they're going to bless you. Uh, We have it at the Blue Tent for, I think the price is $40, which is exactly what we pay for it. Okay, so we just bought it and then just charged you whatever we paid. And we didn't even charge you extra for like the little string and the heart. Like that's, we just threw that in there. Okay. And so um, here's the deal. We got about 800 people who attend the church and we only have 20 of those bundles. So they might not even uh, be there anymore. But, uh, But I do got one right here. Who wants this one? Who wants this one? You want it? All right, $40 in the back. All right, cool. So, um, real important. So I said we're going to, my dad's messed up. But for real, $40 in the back. Um, 
I said that we're going to do a lot of learning. We're also going to do a lot of unlearning. Uh, because when it comes to love, we have a lot of misconceptions. Like even when it comes to this whole XO thing, how many people know what the X means? We got this wrong at the 915. Please tell me you're better than the 915. Yes, they said hugs. I was like, where are you? No. All right. X means kisses on the count of three. Everybody make the kiss sound. One, two, three. Yes, that was good. That was good. You guys are engaged today. And uh, somebody did that at somebody. That was inappropriate. Um, X means kisses, but it didn't always mean kisses. The, the truth is that the history of the X actually begins uh, somewhere in the mid-14th 14th, uh, 14th century, 15th century. And at that time, people would sign contracts with the letter X, and they would do it for two reasons. One, because the majority of the population was illiterate. And so they would have uh, uh, lawyers who would read the contracts over for them, relay it to the person who was signing, say, hey, this is what you're signing. And because they couldn't write their name, they'd write an X on it. But the X also had a second piece of symbolism, which is the X symbolized Christ. Because the letter X in Greek is the first letter of the word Christos, which means Christ. So the X meant Christ. Still does today. That's why people get mad when you see a sign that says Xmas. They're taking Christ out of Christmas. No, actually the X means Christ. We're putting it in it. Xmas, Christmas. And so that was worth it for you right there. Now you can stop being mad. Um, and so there's enough for you right there. And so it actually meant Christ, which is awesome because what they were saying was, my commitment is not founded on me. My commitment is founded on Christ, was what they were saying. And then they would kiss the ex, as in my relationship with Christ and it's Christ's relationship with you. This is what is going to hold the bond together. But there was a guy, and I don't want to mess up his name, Marcel Danassi. He was a professor of linguistics, that's language, and anthropology at the University of Toronto. He wrote a book called The History of the Kiss. And he said somewhere in time, the X lost its meaning as Christ. People would still kiss it, but it would no longer mean Christ. And he believes that it was a shift in society, catch this, where romance became more important than religion. And I thought, how significant, because I believe that it is a reflection how the idea and origin of the letter X has shifted over time. I think it says something about the, how the idea and origin of love have shifted over, over the course of time. Because like in the X, something that could not be understood without God was now being practiced without God. Or in other words, listen, we took Christ out of the kiss. Now, I don't know how you got to church today. Maybe you got a mailer. Maybe you got an Instagram invite. Uh, maybe your friend dragged you here. Maybe you're single and you really like this girl. And she was like, if you're going to get with me, you got to get with my friends. And Jesus, and it's a Spice Girls reference. And um, I don't know how you got here, but hey, you ended up in church. And so I want to tell you, I I'm going to talk about God a little bit today. And here's why. Because for the first time in my life, some might say, some might say, I'm finally qualified to talk about marriage. I wouldn't say it, but some might say it. And the reason some might say it is because uh, last October, my wife and I celebrated 10 years of being married. Yeah, that's cool. Now, the people who are clapping, you either haven't been married or you've been married less than 10 years. There's other people in this room that are like, talk to me when you hit 25, okay? If that's you, don't poo-poo on my parade, okay? It was hard, and we did it. We did it, baby. Come on. Ten more, and then we'll reevaluate, and then we'll keep going. And just kidding. A hundred more. Amen. You never know. Science. Um, so, listen, if we made it ten years, I just need you to know it's not because of me or her. It's nothing special that we have. If we made it ten years, it's because of the principles and person that this book advocates. 
And so, and so I, just gotta, I just gotta start here when it comes because my greatest challenge teaching you today and for the next four weeks um, is going to be your relationship history. And your greatest obstacle is going to be your relationship history. Because I'm thankful for the good relationships. You know, we've had good relationships that taught us some good things. But how many people can say amen like you've been in a bad relationship? And, and, and those bad relationships, hey, they messed us up. They messed us up. And here's the thing. We've learned some things. And here's the thing. If it's working for you, awesome. Keep working it. But if it's not working, will you try it God's way? Just, just try it God's way. Because we're going to have to unlearn some things. And the crazy part is that relationships start at such a young age. Right? Like you can have your first heartbreak when you're five. Like I've been doing some research for this sermon series. So like I went into my concordance. I went into my Bible dictionary. And I went to Google. And I Googled child breakup letters. Y'all, these kids are savage. <laughs> like you and I, when we break up with somebody, we're like, it's not you, it's me. That's actually the title of next Sunday's sermon. You want to come back for that? That's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's not you, it's, it's me. Not these kids. They don't play. They be like, you saw? <laughs> Listen, I got four breakup letters that I found off the internet that I want to share with you. And they're so crazy. This one is from a little girl named Stevie to a boy, Keenan. She said, dear Keenan, I'm sorry. We have to break up. You always try to make me laugh, but you're just making yourself look bad. <laughs> All caps. We're over for real. Love, scratch that, from Stevie. I need to pray for my boy Keenan, man. He, or Stevie. My goodness. Next one is from Rachel. She writes to her man, man, boy, Sean. I am breaking. You got to love the spelling, breaking. Eh, I am breaking. <laughs> I am breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. That was three months ago. <laughs> hey, he, Sean's a real man. <laughs> love you. Peace. I'm not talking. Uh, you need to get it together or you will never get married. And that would be sad. You should get married just not to me. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel ain't playing no games. Here's the next one. This is from Paige to her boy Brock. Brock, why do you not talk to me? We have relationship problems. I don't want to get a divorce, <laughs> but we might have to. I'm so sorry. Heart Paige. Heart Paige. Hey, the girls are winning. The, girl, the girls are winning right now. You girls messed those guys up. But my boy Delandrin is going to redeem us right now, okay? Delandrin, Delandrin writes to, to, to his, his ex, Crystal. Crystal, I'm breaking up with you. P.S. Happy anniversary, though. Happy <laughs> anniversary. It's been, been one month. We made it, girl. One month. Look what he says at the bottom. It's really hard to do this, though. It's really hard to do this. Hey, listen, here's why I did that. Because some of you guys have been through some relationship trauma. You've experienced some hurt. And here's the thing. Experience could be a great teacher. But God's word is truth. And truth trumps any teacher. And so if you got an experience that a breakup or a heartbreak taught you, you need to make sure that that lesson lines up with the lessons in this book. And if not, it's just got to submit. You say, well, you know, but every relationship I've been in went this way. So that, submit it to what the word of God says. We got to submit to God. 
And the one thing that we're going to unlearn today, and it's the title of my message, we need to unlearn this about relationships. You complete me. That's what we've been told. You complete me. You know where we get that from, right? That movie, Tom Cruise, a young Tom Cruise, a young Renee Zellweger. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. Raise your hand if you ever seen Jerry Maguire. Come on, amen, all my white people. All right, Jerry Maguire. I liked it too, I liked it. Tom Cruise busts up into the room, you know? He gets in there, boom, he looks at her, and he's like, we live in a cynical, cynical world, all right? And he goes, he goes, I love you. And then he says the line, he goes, you complete me. And then Renee Zellweger looks back at him and she goes, shut up. And then Tom Cruise's face is like, and then she goes back, you had me at. That's right. It's good. It's real romantic. It's not true. Oh, listen, and this idea of another person completing you, listen, it doesn't even come from Jerry Maguire. It doesn't even come from pop culture. The truth is, if we look back way in history, it actually comes from Greek mythology. There was a Greek philosopher named Aristophanes who actually wrote a play about how human beings were created. And he said that in the beginning of creation, every human had two heads, two forearms, and four legs. That's weird right there. It looks a weird picture. And, and Zeus, Zeus got mad because he, he didn't like the way that they were spending time with each other. And so what he did was he split human being up into two people. And now everybody's looking for their other half. Everybody say, oh. Yeah, it's not true, though. <laughs> now, the crazy part is it's actually really similar to the Bible's account of how humanity came into existence and how man and woman came into existence, how relationship came into existence. Look at Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, at first glance, these stories are really similar because in both of them, God's playing operation. He's doing some surgery. But there's a big difference, guys. There's a big difference between Greek mythology and what the Bible's version of relationships is. And it's this. Even though there's surgery involved in both. Listen, in the Greek version, you are not whole until you find another person. But according to the Bible, you were whole before they got here. you'd be more excited to find out that you didn't need another person in your life to be, have a whole heart, to experience whole joy, to experience whole peace, to experience a whole blessing. You don't need another person. Hey, if you're single, you could be whole right now. You don't got to wait for nobody to get into your life. If you're married, your wife, your husband, your other part, they could be breaking down and you could still be whole because guess what? You were whole before they got here. You were whole before they got here. And we have to start here, listen, because love is founded on wholeness. One could say it's because Adam was whole that God was able to bring Eve to him. It was out of his wholeness that she came. I wrote it this way so that you can remember it. Relationships are birthed out of wholeness, not holes. Hey, I love Rocky. I've seen all of them, except the last Creed. I got to watch that. But Rocky had it wrong. 
Y'all, I used to preach this all the time. It was in my favorite Rocky lines. It's when he goes into the butcher shop and he starts to speak to Adrian's brother and he's explaining to Adrian how much he loves, how much he loves, he's speaking to Paul how much he loves Adrian. And Paul doesn't get it because Adrian's tiny and fragile and you know, Rocky's all buff. And he's like, he's like, Rocky, I don't understand why you love my, my sister. And, uh, and Rocky, he's my Rocky impression. It's awesome. Um, he's like, he's like, I don't know, Paulie. He's like, it's that uh, holes. <laughs> he goes, holes. Paulie's like, what are you talking about holes? I don't get it, holes. He goes, no, it's just that, uh, you know, uh, I got holes and uh, she got holes. Uh, but when we come together, no holes. <laughs> come on, deep philosophy by my man Sylvester Stallone. Hey, it's good, but I hate to break it to you, Rocky. That's wrong. Listen, two half people don't make whole. Two half people make hell. You take two pieces of a broken bike, put it together, and try riding it. It don't work. So all my single people, let me help you out. Single people, where you at? Make some noise. Oh, poor you. And just like, I mean, I'm happy you're single, but you're not, obviously. Woo. Listen to all my single people. You don't got to be ready. People always tell me, I don't know if I'm ready for marriage. Can I tell you a secret? I don't know that you're ever ready. When I, when I went to, when I proposed to my wife and then I sat down with my pastor, you know my pastor told me? He told me, JJ, you're not ready to get married. I said, amen. <laughs> but I have been single for three years, so here I come. <laughs> so, listen, no, I wasn't ready, but I was whole. You're never ready. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the career. I didn't have the house. I didn't have the degree. But when Liz and I found each other, we were two whole people. And there's a difference, y'all. I wasn't always whole, you know, especially those first two years of my singleness. I'll talk to married people just a second. Well, married people, you'll be able to rate. This might help you out now. Um, I wasn't always whole. Those first two years of my single season was tough, man. Every time I would walk into a church arena, you know, I would always be on the lookout, you know. I was talking to RJ the other day. I was like, it's hard when you're a Christian trying to get in a relationship with somebody because, like, where do you go? Church. <laughs> and they didn't have Christian mingle back then. So if I was going to find somebody, it was going to be here. And every time I went to church, I would always be like, you know. I saw a cute girl. I pray extra hard, you know. Like, amen, yes, Lord, amen. Man, you got the blessed Lord, yes. <laughs> yeah, man, and every time I met a girl, I would always, you know, spit that game. And let me tell you, y'all, your boy had game back in the day, okay? If you're not familiar with the term, game means, you know, I could talk to a, to a woman. I had to because I wasn't much in the looks department, but I could speak, you know what I'm saying? And you can't just have regular game in church. You got to have church game, which is a whole other type of game. I had to come at it with like the Christian pickup lines, you know? I'd be like, hey girl, I've been studying the book of numbers. Couldn't help but notice yours wasn't in it. Another time I was like, hey girl, you must be made of water because Jesus turns you into fine. Christian game. You know, I had that Christian game. There's somebody in the back right now. He's like, water? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> no, no. He's like, I'm going to use that. 
hey girl. <laughs> I got more, but I'm gonna keep it there. Anyway. Hey, but something happened in year three. In year three, I came to church just for God. I mean, I really enjoyed the worship. I wasn't looking. It was like I was whole. Like all the holes that were in my life had been filled by his peace and his love and his acceptance. And it was at that very event. It was at that very event where I met Liz, where she came into my life. Now, here's what I'm telling you. Two years after that, we got married. And, 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 and I, I finally got to the place, listen, where I was good. I, if I, if I, it took three years, but I thought, you know, if I get married the next three years, good. If I don't, good, I'm good. I'm good. If you're single, say, I'm good. I'm good. If I get married, I'm good. If I don't, I'm good. You got to get there. Now, I'm not lying, okay? Because you're like, oh, it's easy for you to say you're married. You're good. Oh, you're good now. <laughs> I know what you're alluding to, and I'll, and I'll talk about it. Hey, two years later, when we had, when we had our honeymoon, it was good. But here's my point. I was good before it was good. I was good before it was good. And there's a difference between it being good and me being good. And that's what God is alluding to in Genesis 2.18. Because a lot of people say, well, you know, God said it wasn't good for being man to be alone. So I must need another person to be complete. And, and now this is going to help married people, single people, in case wherever you are, this is going to help you. God never said Adam wasn't good. He said, it's not good. Why did he say that? Because Adam was good. Adam didn't ask for Eve. He wasn't lonely. He didn't fill out a requisition form, 403B with Michael the archangel. Yeah, I'd like to request, if you could please, it's getting lonely down here. The cats and dogs ain't doing it for me, bro. I need a person. He never filled out a requisition form. It was God who said, it's not good. But catch this, Adam was good before it got good. He was already good. Well, then why bring her into the picture anyway if he was already good? The best way I can explain it to you is a toothbrush. Bear with me. It'll make sense. A couple years ago, Liz, for Christmas, got me an electric toothbrush for Christmas, which I didn't know how to receive. I didn't know if I said, hey, thank you, or like, what you trying to say? <laughs> you don't get somebody a toothbrush for Christmas. That's like, I would never get her a treadmill, right? Or a gym membership, because you don't want to send any unintended messages. She got me an electric toothbrush. Now, here's what you need to know. Um, I was a little skeptical, okay? I was hating on the electric toothbrush because for me, it's just like humanity has gone to a whole new level of laziness. Like, we can't even anymore. We need, like, power to do that for us, okay? And so I was skeptical, but then I tried it. Do you remember the first time? Where are my electric toothbrush people? Do you remember the first time you've ever tried an electric toothbrush? It's like you got saved all over again. You use it, and then you're like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> my mouth was always clean. I, was, I went to the dentist uh, last week, no cavities. I kind of always took care of my teeth. I always kept them clean. Listen, the electric toothbrush just helped me get them cleaner. Here's what I'm trying to say. God didn't bring Eve to Adam because there was something for Adam that God could not do that Eve could do. He brought Eve to Adam because he wanted Eve to help what God was already doing in his life. Read it again. Next thing, Genesis 2.18. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a help. Say this with me. Er, help. Help. She didn't make him whole. She was a help. Er, that's so important that you understand that, there are, that your spouse, that your boyfriend, that your girlfriend, that person, they're a er. Say it, er. 
That's so important. Listen, my wife, and I'm telling this to people right now who think, well, you know, I can't be happy because my husband's a jerk or I can't be happy because I haven't dated in three, in three months. Can I tell you something? Liz doesn't make me happy. She makes me happy. I was happy before she got here. She don't make me wise. She makes me wise. I was wise before she got here. She don't make me brave. She makes me brave. I was brave before she got here. Listen, I was, Liz was telling me uh, that she was teaching the boys how to, you know, read and write to speak English because she's a homeschool teacher. And she was teaching them about the, is this the suffix? The suffixes. Yeah, I was like, teach me English because I don't know. About the suffixes. And she was like, E-R is a suffix, but the beginning is called the root word. The reason why is I can live with confidence despite what my spouse is doing, despite what my boyfriend is doing, girlfriend is doing, is because my confidence is not rooted in you. My confidence is rooted in Christ. And now that my confidence is rooted in Christ, I don't have to come to you to do something that you weren't designed to do. You were not designed to be a root in my life. You were designed to be an herb. This is going to help somebody right now. This is going to help somebody in a relationship right now. A wife who is mad at her husband because he don't do the dishes. And now you, you're all mad looking at him. Why don't you do this? Let me tell you what you need to tell yourself and what you need to tell your husband. Um, can you please do the dishes? <laughs> if you did it, that would help. But even if you don't, I'm good. Because I was good before you got here. Husband, I'm going to help you out right now. So the husband who wished they could tell their wife, wife, if you could be just a little more encouraging. <laughs> if the only time I didn't get life spoken into me was at church from Pastor JJ. But if, if you could also speak life into me when I fail, I'd appreciate it. It would help. Because she's a helper. He's a helper. But even if you don't, my confidence isn't rooted in what you say or think about me. My confidence is rooted in what he says and what he thinks about me. My life is rooted in him. My confidence is rooted in him. I appreciate you adding on, but you're an add-on. I'm rooted in Christ. Anytime you try to make a er a root, you get messed up. Her. My life is not built on her. My life is built on him. And when you're complete, listen, it makes loving and being loved so easy. But if you're incomplete, it makes loving and being loved so hard, so hard. Here's an example of that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They eat the forbidden fruit. And the moment that they do, humanity falls. And here's the, 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 the speech right after that. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, this is such a weird story to me because I have never in my life, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you have, but I have never in my life not realized I was naked. <laughs> like, like, I never went to the grocery store <laughs> like, and tried to pay for something. And the lady or the guy was like, cash or credit? And I'm like, <laughs> I left my wallet. Oh, my gosh. 
I left my pants. I'm naked. Like, it's never him. I've always known <laughs> I'm naked when I'm naked. So the one thing that always mystified me was how is it that all of a sudden, out of the blue, Adam and Eve realized they were naked unless is it possible that they were so covered by the love and acceptance of God that they actually lost all sense of self-awareness. And someone say, no, that would never happen. It happens all the time. Just spy on two married people when nobody else is in the house. Yeah, he's, he's rolling out there in his drawers. He got a toothbrush in his mouth and looking all crazy. She got no makeup on, you know. The wig is off and just the... <laughs> holes in the socks and why is it that two married people can hang out around each other like that and not care I'll tell you why because they found somebody who 100% loves and accepts them and now they have no need to cover because they know they're accepted they're accepted they're accepted they're accepted and here's what happens here's what happens okay because you need to, you need to learn this right here when God made us y'all can't see this I'm gonna have to yeah, you're welcome. No. We'll leave it right here. You good, Josh? When God made you, he made yourself. Now, here's what you have to understand. This is the you, you. This is the you, the pure you, the beautiful you. This is the you God made, and, and he loves it. But at some point... The you, you, either you do something or something happens to you. Uh, on the light scale, it could be a breakup. Uh, on the light scale, it could be like, like, you know, like you got a crush on this girl, but then you find out that she's like the daughter of a banker and you're on food stamps and you're like, nah. <laughs> Somebody made fun of a feature that you didn't have. On a serious note, it could be like, or not, they're all serious, but on a more maybe extreme note, maybe your parents got a divorce or maybe like you were abused as a child and like, look, something happens to you. And all of a sudden, another thing gets introduced into your life. And this thing is called shame. Now shame has one job and it tells you one thing. It tells you you're missing something. You're incomplete. You're not enough. And it, and it eats at you and it, and, it, and it just accuses you. And so here's what we do. We do what Adam and Eve do. When shame enters our life and, and we feel like nobody's going to love us for us because that's what shame says, we create what Adam and Eve created. We create a costume. And we put the costume over our shame so that no one can see us. Now, your costume is the thing that people celebrated about you when you were younger. Like, for me, I was always funny, right? And so that became my costume. So when I walked into a room, I'd be the funny guy. But the reason why I was the funny guy was because if anybody saw the real me, they wouldn't love me, so I had to put on that front. For others, it's their beauty. For others, it's their humor. Some of you guys grew up in a tough neighborhood, tough neighborhood. So your costume is, the, is what you put on, it's toughness. And so you don't want anybody get close because you're tough. And this is what Adam and Eve did. They put on a costume to protect their self because they thought, no, God's not going to love me for me. And here's what I love about, about God in verse, in verse 10. Here's what God says. Or Adam says first, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid, so I hid. 
I was afraid, so I hid. I had shame, so I put on a costume because I thought I wouldn't be enough for you, God. Do you see that? And, and here's the problem with this. Listen, you'll never be able to truly experience love this way. Why? Because the moment someone falls in love with you, you're going to ask the question, did they fall in love with me or did they fall in love with my costume? And it doesn't matter how long you get together, how long you've been married. You're always going to wonder, it's not the me that they love. It's the costume that they love. The only way you can really be loved is if someone knows the real you, loves the real you, brokenness and all. That's called intimacy. And I love what God says. Look what God says. Who told you you were naked? Isn't that good? He said, why are you putting this costume on? Who told you that you weren't enough? Why did you cover yourself with fig leaves? Who told you that the way I made you wasn't enough? And that's what you got to love about God. He breaks through the costume and he breaks through the shame and he loves the self just the way you are. He knew you were broken. He knew you were, and he loved you just the way you are. I experienced this one time when I was 11 years old. And, uh, you know, like there comes a point in every young man's life where, like, it's no longer cool for your mom to see you naked. <laughs> and I was about 11 years old, and I was coming out of the pool, and I went to the bathroom to change. And while I'm in the bathroom getting changed, my mom just bust up in the bathroom. I'm like, Mom, I'm naked. <laughs> you know? Like, what are you doing, Mom? I'm a grown man. <laughs> you know? Can't you be rolling up in here like that anymore? My mom's so funny. You know what she said? She said, Pfft. <laughs> She said, I wiped your butt. <laughs> and then she said this. She walked away. She said, that's my booty. I don't wipe your butt. That's my booty. You know what you got to love about this? Is that in the moment that it happens, God says to Adam and Eve, he goes, what are you doing? He goes, because he says, he says, who told you you were naked? That's God's version of, so? So? And you know what he did? The Bible says that he took an animal. Most theologians believe it was a lamb. He killed it with blood on the garments of the animal. He covers the shame, not with a fake costume, but with his son, Jesus Christ. And now all the shame is gone. Now the costume is gone. In other words, God is saying, what are you talking about? I knew who you were when I made you. I knew the challenges that you would experience when I made you. And I wiped your butt. I took care of your shame on the cross. I took care of your insecurity on the cross. I took care of your past on the cross. I took care of your history on the cross. I bought you. That's my booty. That's what he said. He said, that's mine. I knew everything that was wrong with you. And I loved you anyway. Yeah. And I loved you anyway. Every imperfection. Don't get dressed up. You don't got to be ashamed. I love you anyway. And that's key, guys. Because it's only in Christ. Once you understand that Christ loves the real you, you can present the you to someone else. And not have the fear of having to dress up and put all this stuff on because you're afraid. I'm already accepted. I'm already loved. I'm already wanted. Somebody already wiped my, my pain. Somebody already loves me. And if nobody ever acknowledges that, if nobody can love me for who I am, I'm good.
because I found someone who loves me anyway. So important, y'all. And here's what happens. Here's what happens now when you, if you try and build a relationship and you're incomplete. Let me tell you real quick. I'll show this to you. What happens, if you build a relationship and you're incomplete, the first thing you're going to build your relationship on is the physical. Because you're not sure if somebody will really love you for you. So instead of risking them getting to know you, you give them what they want at the beginning. Also, because you got holes and you think that physical pleasure is going to fill those holes, it never does. It always leaves you wanting. And so when we meet somebody, they're good looking, I'm good looking, they want to, I want to, cool. We built our, the first thing we introduce in our relationships is the physical. And that's a problem. That's a problem because then once we do that, then we get emotional. Now that we start kissing, now that we start, now this is cool. This is the lovey-dovey phase. How many people remember the lovey-dovey phase? It's pretty cool, right? You're on the phone with them all night. They're on the phone with you. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. And then you both fall asleep on the phone, phone and the operator's like, please hang up. <laughs> Appears to be a receiver off the hook. Please, please hang up. Hey, this is beautiful and this is cute, but most psychologists say that this stage will only last four to 16 months. The emotional phase. You know, and there are people, this is where it gets real tough in marriages sometimes because this phase doesn't last long. And so now we say stupid things like, oh, I love her. I'm just not in love with her. Okay, well, good. Now you get to graduate in love. Now your love gets to be more authentic than just the way she makes you feel. Now you get to love her for who she is and not the way she makes you feel. That's real love. But after we get emotional, then we start meeting their friends and they start meeting our friends. We get the family involved. Yeah, social. That's not inter Get out of here. <laughs> social. <laughs> this is the stage where we start introducing them to everybody, you know? And then you got good girlfriends around, ladies, who will come to you and be like, and this helps marry people too, I'll get in a second. You got good girlfriends around that be like, oh my God, he's so cute. <laughs> Does he have a brother? Be careful, because those are the same people who will tell you in three years, when y'all get divorced, I knew he was no good for you. <laughs> well, where were you three years ago? Right? Social. And uh, this is usually the stage where people get married. Once the introductions in the family happen, this is usually the And that becomes a problem, because once you get married, It gets hard to wear a costume 24-7. So now you meet the real them. <laughs> this is the stage in your relationship where you're like, who are you? <laughs> I did not know this about you. I did not know that about Who are you? This is not the person I fell in love with. Of course not. Because at this stage, you met their costume. You didn't have enough time to fall in love with the person you fell in love with who they put forward. You fell in love with their representative. And so now we start getting to know them and we're like, you are crazy. <laughs> I did not know this about you, but it's too late, now you're married. And so now we got issues in the relationship and, and here's what we do with all the issues. We're like. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, you know it's true. 
You got that mailer? You got that Instagram? You're like, we're going to the Love, Sex, and Marriage series. We need Jesus in this relationship. The only problem is Jesus was not designed to be the pinnacle of your relationship. He was designed to be the foundation. You can't put him on last because Jesus is heavy. And so now you come trying to fix your relationship and fix your life at the same time. And now guilt comes in because you know that your life isn't living up to right where it's at. And you're like, I don't know that I can handle this. Jesus this is too hard. And guess what happens? It all comes tumbling down. Not going to church anymore. We're getting a divorce, breaking up. I'm, it's not going to work. It works. We just built it the wrong way. When you're complete, when you're whole, can you hold this for me? It's a workout. <laughs> we build it on him first. We get our life right with God first. We fall in love with him First, if you're single and you haven't built this yet, you're in the right place being here at church this February because here's what God's going to do in these next four weeks, this whole year. He's going to make you whole. So you can really love somebody and so you can really be loved somebody because you know he accepts you for who you are. And so you get this right. And there are people out here who are married right now and they're saying, well, well it's not even going to work because, because I mean, he's not even talking to me. She's not even talking. Talk to God. God will talk to him. God will talk to her. Put God first. If you're single, then at that point, you go social. Get in a small group, guys. If you're married, get in a small group or go to counseling. This is the social aspect. This is where you invite some good people in your life. You can't do this alone. This is where you invite good people into your life, good people into your relationship, good people into, your, into, your, into, your, into the things that you know. And then finally, when you get around some, and by the way, this is where you're going to meet the person. Amen. We got small group signups in the back. You can. <laughs> and then once you meet that person, you get to know them. And I mean know them, know them. Okay? And you got you to gotta listen. As you're getting to know them, you got to guard your heart. You can't get emotional until you've learned who they are. So you, you, you figure out who they are from a distance. You're like, I'm going to hold on to my heart. And I'm a, before I fall in love with you, I need to find out your credit score. <laughs> hey. Hey. Am I preaching the truth or am I preaching the truth? Before I fall in love with you, I need to find out how you treat your mother. Because the way you treat your mother is going to be how the way you treat me. So, so I'm going to go on a Thanksgiving and I'm going I'm to just see how you speak about her and how you speak to her. And I need to get to know you first. People say, well, well what, if I, what if I did this all wrong? What if I'm married? And I'm, listen, here's what we need to do. If you've been married for 20, 30 years, you can still come to this phase. This is what you need to do. You need to get right with God first. Okay. You need to get around some good people. Go to counseling. And listen, you need to take your wife or your husband out on a date and get to know them again. Because the person they are 20 years from when you marry them is not the same person today. They evolve. You need to sit them down and be like, what's your favorite color? It used to be blue. What's it now? Fuchsia. So glad we're doing this. 
And then when you get to learn who they're becoming and who they are now, listen, you get to fall in love all over again. So if you're single, get to know the person. Then get emotional. But you got to guard that heart until. If you're married, you got to learn them again. Then give them your heart. And then once you give them your heart, Let's get physical, physical. You know what I'm talking about? Too, too. You're too young. You're too young. The physical is the pinnacle. Jesus is the foundation. Well, I've already messed up. That's okay. It's never too late to rebuild. Never too late. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so we went through some tough times. We started fighting. We started arguing. You said some things you didn't mean. I said some things I didn't mean. But our house is built on the rock and it will not fall. It will not fall. We're going to make it. We're going to work this thing out with God as our center, with God as our foundation. Well, stand on your feet today. Stand on your feet. If you're single, make him your rock. If you're married, going through some tough times, make him your rock. Build on this foundation called Jesus. He's the rock. He's the rock. He's the rock. He's the rock. Tell somebody, he's the rock. They're my ur. Tell them, they're my ur. He's the rock. You're my ur. Amen. There's somebody here today. You've never made that decision to make Jesus your rock. I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. It's never too late. It's never too late to rebuild. We can do it right here. Today can be the day of healthy relationships for you. If we just say, on you, Jesus, is why I give it all. If that's you and you want to make that decision, or just everybody, would we close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment of privacy? Just one quick moment of privacy. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. All over this room today are people who are trying to get started on the right foot, who are trying to build on the right foot, who are trying to build on the right foot. God, I pray you would touch our hearts. If you would like us to be in a relationship with you and we're not, maybe it's been a long time. Maybe we've never made that decision. Today, I want to make that decision. If that's you and you want to put your life on the rock today, when I say three, I want you to shoot your hand up high. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to shoot your hand up high. Jesus, I need you in my life. One, two, today's your day. One, two, three, right now, all over this building. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Amen, go ahead and put your hand down. Worship team, pray this prayer with us. Church, would you pray this prayer with those individuals and myself? Come on, let's say, Father God, today I build my life on you. You are my rock. 
I give you all of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.